Okay, so this morning we will be continuing in our series on what disciples do. And today we're going to concentrate on practicing generosity. Uh, the readings that we've had today, uh, they emphasize the danger of riches. They speak against being caught up in desires for wealth. But be clear that we're not going to be talking about today is saying that being wealthy is a bad thing. In and of itself. It's not a bad thing. But our motivations for gaining wealth or our actions in, in maintaining, maintaining that wealth or practice in expending that wealth. Well, they certainly can be bad. And we have to check ourselves and, and make sure we're staying true. And I want to concentrate on the end of Paul's first letter to Timothy that we heard today. And what that speaks to for us in our present situations. And as we look a little deeper at this, we're going to really pull out what it is about practicing generosity that we as disciples should step into. Because Paul here is outlining some very important truths. Truths that we really need to embrace. And if we take the first part of our reading, we take verses 6 through 10, we are reminded that, we're, that we come into this world with nothing and we'll also leave with nothing. It's clear and it's true. And yet for some people, there's this desire to gain more and to have more, to, to search for contentment in this world as though they do get to carry it with them afterwards. The thought that just came to my mind is, you know, when you go for a trek in the, in the wild, you know, <laughs> don't leave anything that you didn't find there. And, uh, yeah, don't take anything from there to somewhere else. And I want you to consider, if you will, for yourself, the question, are you content in life? Do you feel like you have enough? Or would life be just a little bit more comfortable with that bit more? that you'd search for. I remember after the dinner table when I was young, um, my dad would say, do you want more? Or are you not going to finish that? And I'm like, I've had enough. And he'd be like, oh, can I have enough? I've never had enough before. What's enough like? Yeah, what is enough like? Are you content Whatever your situation is in life, whatever your, your finances look like, we need to heed that warning that's in verse 9 and verse 10, that those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that, that, that plunge them into ruin. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from faith and pierced themselves with many pains. 
You see, money in itself isn't evil. But to love money causes evil to grow. It is the root of all kinds of evil. And last week, we heard Jesus' words on serving two masters, that you can't serve both wealth and God at the same time. It's just impossible. We've got to be putting Jesus first. And if we see ourselves uh, falling into that trap of loving money, then we see that we're on a slippery slope and we need to be repenting of that and, and turning away from that way of living and acting and back towards putting Jesus and his teaching first, looking to him as our master, as our Lord. And again, I want to say, making money, that's not wrong. Having money isn't wrong. But loving money is. Loving money just causes problems. In fact, we can go as far as to say probably just money in itself causes problems. <laughs> and if we think about the origins of money, yeah, money is a man-made thing. God didn't create money. Man invented money. Why did man invent money? Man invented money to make trading easier. Yeah? You go into a store to get a sweater. If there wasn't money, then there'd be a whole list of, you know, to get this sweater, I want three bottles of milk. <laughs> or, if you're not a milkman, I want... Um, Two bottles of orange juice. If you're not an orange farmer, I need three bushels of wheat. I mean, imagine how complicated that becomes. So money was invented to make it easier. But the problem that we have today, especially in our Western context, is that money has become so far removed from the goods that it was invented to help trade easier, it's become a good itself. And so people seek Money, in the same way that they seek clothing or food. And because of that, and the further away it gets from the goods that it was supposed to be invented to help trade, and it becomes a good itself, the more we've placed value on it. And the more value we place on it, the more closely it is linked to being an idol. And we begin to love it. And Jesus speaks quite clearly against that. And Paul in his letter to Timothy here that we're looking at now speaks against that. Because to love money is the root of all kinds of evil. We allow evil to grow in us as we give our love to something that isn't Jesus. See, that value of money should never be greater than the value that we place on relationship with Jesus. Because when that happens, if our desire to gain earthly wealth and, and, and to increase our, our bank account value, then there's an increase in the depth of the chasm that is between us and God. If we value that more importantly than we do the relationship and 
and the investment that we want to make into that relationship, we're just walking further and further away from Jesus. We wander away from the faith. We, as Paul says, we pierce ourselves with many pains. And I'm sure everyone can put their hand up at some point to say that they've done something or they've sought something with money and and they've made a mistake and it has impacted them and their faith. You see, when we search for contentment in the world, which we think we can only gain by more possession, by a a bigger security blanket in the bank account, I think we become crazy. And I don't say that lightly, because I think it really impacts our minds. It really turns us into who we're not supposed to be. See, earlier I asked that question, are you content? See, the search for more wealth, the love of money, it's the root of evil. Because it distracts us from where we're supposed to be going. It distracts us from from God by turning our attention to worldly possessions. The more money we have, the bigger house we can have, the nicer car we can have. Maybe we can have an extra car. No matter how much we gain here in this world, we're not going to be content because we're only going to want more. See, the bigger house you've got, the less time you've got to clean it. So then you need to get more money to pay a cleaner to come and clean it. The more cars you've got, well, you need to employ someone to come and wash them for you. You know? just kind of rolls you're never truly content if that's where you're trying to search for and be content the only place to be content is in Christ that's the only place see again I want to say being rich isn't bad having riches having wealth having possessions they're not bad you know God has given us these things to enjoy. No, he hasn't given me an Aston Martin to enjoy, and I have to live with that. Okay? I'm very content with my Jeep. Jody said to me, you never used to be. I said, that's because I was in England and the roads were too small. Now I'm very content. I wasn't content with the car that she had. <laughs> it kept breaking, so we got a different one. And she was like, oh, but why? You're the one that's supposed to get the new car. I'm like, I don't care. I like my car. I don't like your car. Can you get a new one, please? Uh, And it worked. It worked out. But if we keep searching and searching to find true contentment in these things, be it the car that we drive or the house that we live in or or the school that we want to send our kids to, it, it just falls flat. We need to be willing to lay 
those desires and those pushes for contentment down. And we need to lay them down at Jesus' feet and say, that's becoming a stumbling block for me, Lord. Help me overturn that. Overturn that for me. What do I need to do differently? We create those strongholds for ourselves by trying to search for that contentment. And Paul elsewhere talks about those strongholds that we create and how we have to battle them, not with physical, earthly weapons, but with spiritual weapons. We've got to get our, our hearts tuned to God so that we can be content in him, regardless of our status in, in the world, regardless of how much we have. And I'm reminded of, of the rich young man who came and asked Jesus what he must do to get into the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus tells him, you've got to follow the law. And he says, oh, I've do, I do that, and I've done that since I was young. And Jesus says, okay, but one thing you lack. One thing you lack. And he doesn't say it explicitly, but he implies that thing is that he's loving money. He says, go and give it all away. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. Now, he's not saying that to everybody. But for that young man, his stumbling block was his love of his possessions. And Jesus saw that and he knew that and he said, you've got to give that up. He's not asking everyone to give everything up. But he's asking us to give some things up. But that man couldn't do it. That man walked away. And Jesus let him walk away. And I'm sure Jesus was praying for that man to turn and to eventually realize and be able to give those things up. Just this morning, as I was driving here, there's a, there's a, a kind of a crossroads which has often got someone stood on it asking for help. And uh, there was no one there this morning. And usually I have like a bottle of water that I'll give them so that they're not going <laughs> to fall over with heat exhaustion. But yesterday, somebody was there. And today is the remnant of the fact that they were there. With food that they'd been given, that had just been left. With clothing that they'd been given, that had just been left. With gift cards even, just left on the side of the road. That person was seeking something and everything they were given didn't fill what they were seeking. Because their contentment, I'm assuming, their contentment was only in green paper. This invention of man called money. For whatever reason, everything else didn't fill the hole that they needed to have filled. See, loving money causes problems. 
It twists our minds to thinking actually the value of the goods that the money's supposed to buy becomes less valuable. Loving money, it, it just causes us to be tempted to do all kinds of things. We want to hold on to it. We want, to, want, to, we want more of it. We cling to wealth. And we put our trust and our faith in the stock market over and above Jesus. And that only is ever going to cause problems because the stock market is not infallible. But God is. Paul goes on to instruct Timothy to press on in faith, to teach others that which is in accordance with the words of Jesus. And he uses the words to fight the good fight. Verses 11 through 16, Paul really, really pushes into the sovereignty of Christ. And he, he does so, he says, you are a subject of the king. Subject yourself to his will. And this is a reference really to, to Jesus. And he, and he mentions it standing in front of Pilate and making the good confession. Proclaiming that he is the king of the Jews, that he is the Messiah. That's what that comment's referring to. Because he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords. And Paul urges Timothy to be keeping that commandment, but to helping others keep that commandment too, to live into it to that call which has been given to all of us and to doing that so that we can take hold of eternal life. That's what Paul says. He says you've got to do that to be able to take hold of eternal life because where you put your trust, the things that you are content with, is it this life or is it life which is truly life? And verse 16, it might seem a little bit odd. It might seem a bit misplaced. But it fits very much with what Paul's trying to, to influence and, and, and get across to Timothy and have Timothy get across to all of his disciples uh, that he's leading. And it fits very much with what the end of the letter uh, refers to. Uh, of, of Timothy being told to avoid the profane chatter and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. And what that pushes into, what that's referring to, is, is the start of a kind of movement which grew and took more root, and we'd know today as Gnosticism. Yeah? Gnosis is knowledge. And this thought of, of the more I know, the better I am. Or I've got a secret knowledge that you haven't got. And I know these things, and you're never going to. 
The problem with this is, is it, it was introduced as a Christian teaching. Yeah, it was, it was, it was even using Jesus' words to promote this way of thinking and twisting what Jesus was saying. The idea that there's a light inside only some of us and it's calling us to be free from our body. That's not truth. But that's the knowledge which Paul is talking about. And he says, don't go after that knowledge, but live according to the teaching of Christ. And Paul leads that into a, a kind of a benediction for Timothy, saying, guard the deposit that's entrusted to you. Avoid the profane chatter, those contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Jesus is the only man to have lived that can claim immorality. We don't have some special thing inside of us that we're born with that means we get to live forever. The only thing that allows us to claim to be able to live forever is our faith in Christ, is the fact that we have responded to his gift of grace. And it's the response and the living into that faith which enables us to say, I'm going to be with Jesus forever. We're not born with that. Because we all know there, is, <laughs> there are many things which are inherently wrong with us. And I'm not going to ask you to name what you think yours, your, your top five are, I'd even say. Yeah? But we're all We're all broken. So none of us can claim to be immor having, have immorality. We can't. And that's what Paul's speaking against there in that caption. And if we take time and energy away from following him to try and, and bring that teaching... We distract ourselves from the truth. And the last few readings from today's verses in Timothy specifically talk to those who are presently rich. I want to put out there that in contrast to the majority of first century people, we are all rather well off. And we would be considered as rich. And so there's a charge here that is really levied at all of us today. That we are first and foremost to put our hope in God and not in the material things of this world. Secondly, we are to remember that everything comes from God. And that everything that we have has been provided for us to enjoy. But it comes from him. And it's ours to hold. Because we can't take it with us. And then 
we should follow our, our living out of these former two points to be doing good. To be rich in good works, not just in wealth. To be generous, to be ready to share all that we have. And I say all that we have because some of us sometimes are called to give all that we have. Just as that young rich man was. So whatever your financial position, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum of, of, of poor to uber wealthy, you're called to be a disciple, to do good, not to be good, to do good. You can only do good through being good, yes, but there's a specific call to do good and to share those gifts that have been given to you and to do so generously. Generously without grumbling because we know that God loves a joyful giver. So if you have a little, then the required obedience that God desires is proportionate to that. And if you have a great amount, the desired obedience that God, prepare, God, God, God demands of you, I would say, is proportionate to that which you have. I'm reminded of, 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 of Jesus seeing the widow drop a couple of coins in the collection plate and how he, how he commends her actions. He doesn't not commend the guy who put a whole load of money in. But he does say, she has given out of her poverty. She has chosen to give all that she had left. Instead of going on and searching for contentment in other things or, or taking it and, and holding on to it to be able to buy X or, or, or to, 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 um, to put other things above what she takes as her calling as her response to God to give and to keep giving. She didn't put possessions above God and hold back some stuff for herself. And as I finish today, I'm just going to invite the band back up to, to prepare to help lead us in response. I don't want you to hear that I'm telling you and I never would tell you what you should be giving. That's between you and God. Whether you're giving that to church, whatever you're giving to other charities, that's for you to work out as you do good and you are generous. But if we follow the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of Paul here, then we're going to be much better off than if we ignore them. And by listening, and by going in the direction that we are called to go in, 
we're going to head on the right track, and we're going to begin to experience life to the full. Not a life based on contentment in possession, but life to the full that can only come through following Jesus. And that life has got to be built on the foundations of our faith. It's got to be built on Jesus Christ because that's the only life that's going to last. So as we lead into response and head towards communion, I just want to leave you with this question. Does your life reflect Christ as king? Are you reflecting through this life good works, rich in good works? Are you reflecting generosity? Are you ready to share? Because after all, that is what disciples do. Let's prepare for communion.